This podcast is being recorded on Ngunnawal and Ngambri land. We pay our respects to the traditional owners of this country and elders past and present. We extend our respect to any First Nations, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people joining us today. Simo started her double degree in law and arts at the ANU in 2019 and she is now in her final semester. I'm super excited to welcome Anna East onto Law and Disorder today to share an awesome passion project she's been working on. Over the last two months, Anna East has created, hosted, produced and released a podcast called Can I Pull You for a Chat, where she dissects the makeups and breakups on Love Island UK. She has done this alongside her study and part-time work. She truly does do it all. <laughs> Welcome, Anna East. Thank you for joining us on Law and Disorder. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Oh, thanks for having me. So excited to chat about the podcast. So could you, I guess, explain how you came up with this idea and what made you want to put the podcast together in the first place? I genuinely just love the show so much and have so much to say about it. And I was watching the show last year. And my housemate, I was saying to my housemate that I could literally write a thesis about this show. Like so I good. I just have so many thoughts. I'm always voice memoing my yeah. friends, like things like that. And she was like, why don't you do a podcast? And I thought, that's a good idea. That is next level. <laughs> I really like that. I mean, I've always loved Love Island UK. It just yeah. hits different. I don't go with the Australian or the USA mm, ones, no. but... Love Island UK is the best. It's just like a deep dive into their culture mm. and into interesting ideas about patriarchy, feminism, and other sociocultural issues. Exactly. It's actually <laughs> and extremely pop culture. deep. And extremely entertaining. <laughs> Love it. Um, so how was it managing recording the podcast with your uni and work life? It was actually at a good time because the winter, well, our winter, but their summer was during our winter break. So it was actually all right. Like I was working like three to four days a week. It was busy um, to do, more work than I expected, especially editing. That's a lot of work. Jesus. Yeah. And the the um, TV show was released an episode a day, right? So yeah. did you watch them every day or did you binge watch them and then do the podcast straight after? Like, how did it work? Oh, every day. Oh my God. That's so good. It's a commitment. Did you watch it with other people and like, did you take notes while yeah. you were watching it? Oh on, my, my on my phone. I had a little notebook as well, taking notes, compiling them. Then I would do a Google doc the day before and share it with whoever I was having as my guest. And it was pretty off the cuff, but like the research had to be done. Yeah. So how did you structure the podcast? Like what kind of yeah form did it take? So I would do a recap of the week, which would take quite a while, like just yep. dissecting all of the key moments. Yeah. And then we would do the most iconic moments of our violent history. So we would like go through different ones. Oh my God, so week, good. Which I really enjoyed doing, yeah. like that deep dive. Um, also the best quote of the week as well. That was yep. a good one. Um. I think that's it. The first episode we did a quite a deep dive on representation and mm. things like that. And sometimes like issues would come up where we talk about the fact that it's very heteronormative mm. and things like that. But in general, that was, it was pretty, it was relatively free flowing. Yeah. Yeah. And what kinds of guests did you have on? My friends. So just friends, that, friends that watched. I tried to get like a bit of a cross section of like, yeah. I made sure to have a few straight men on there <laughs> to yeah. give them yeah. know, a token straight man. So. Oh my God, of course. Yeah. Did yeah. you notice any differences between like what they thought of the podcast and the ideas that they had? They disagreed with me more on like certain takes, like more empathetic towards the 
guys, obviously. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, my friend Callum, who's who's gay, he like has he brought really important views mm. about how heteronormative the show is. So mm. I thought that was really good to talk about. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, so for any listeners who aren't familiar with Love Island, um, each character, well, character, contestant, <laughs> contestant, when they start on the show, they give a little pitch of themselves. So Anaïs, do you have a Love Island pitch or do you have favourite elements of people's pitches I feel like my favourite things to watch are when people are like, I'm a 10 out of 10, I've never been rejected. Like that's always yeah. hilarious. Yeah. Um, and then they get rejected. Yes. Like, yeah. I don't think I could say that f- for myself, not to be down on myself. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not sure I can. I could take that on as my own pitch. Like if I was going on the show, oh, I I struggle with that the most. I yeah. think like that like thing you've got to do right before where you're like, all oh, the boys love me, yeah, like, right? all that kind of stuff. And but. they always incorporate a rhyme or something like mm. that. Like they're just so well done. I just listen to the chat that they have regularly, and I think the producers must help them with those pitches. Surely, actually, that's actually a good point. I'm so in love with the show that people are always like, oh, that must be the producers. And I'm like, no, like it's, it's all not scripted. Real. <laughs> it's serious stuff. I mean, having done an exchange in the UK, it was quite a realistic representation of what like. But also the first thing that I was so excited about going on that exchange was, oh, my God, finally Love Island in real life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Drew, did you watch it over there at all? No, I didn't. I should have. That's okay. I just was obsessed with it before I went and now I'm like taking the high ground. I'm like, well, I've lived there. I don't yeah, really need to get it. too involved now. <laughs> but no, I'm obsessed. Um, so what's next with the podcast now that you've, because you've recorded for one season, yeah. right? So what's, yeah, what are the next steps? It's a good question because like if I find myself working full time, which is likely, yeah. will I do a podcast as well? Yeah. Probably. Probably, yeah. Good. <laughs> Thank God. I think I would do. I wouldn't do a summer season, I don't think, just for logistics of life this year. Yeah. Is that their winter? Yes, but apparently there's, like, going to be an all-star season. Oh, With okay. US and Australia, maybe? Yeah. Like an all-star with, like, the three of mm. the three countries, which would be interesting. But I would say probably next season I would go again. Maybe I'll try and make it bigger because I think, you know, I'm an ambitious girl. Yeah. Oh, of course. <laughs> The podcast, it did well, but not not yeah. really. Like it was mm. mainly my friends listening. So mm. I need to get like a social media strategy going. Mm. Like I need to get it out there like properly. Yeah. And then I can invest in like this proper equipment like you've got. Yeah. You know? <laughs> like the College of Law has. <laughs> yeah. I forget it's not just yours. <laughs> no, I wish. <laughs> um, so you kind of, so you enjoyed the podcasting thing and mm. want to do more of that. Do you think you could extend to other reality TV shows or ideas or loyal to Love Island? This is a good question. People have been asking me. I feel like there are some TV, reality TV shows that I can't get behind, like The Bachelor, for example. Mm -hmm. Like I'll watch it if it's on, but like I struggle with the shows where like they can't change who they're meant to be into. Yeah. Because I feel like I can buy into Love Island because it seems realistic to me that like, yeah, you've got a couple on the first day, but you can yeah. keep chopping and changing and like finding yeah. your true person. Mm. Things like The Bachelor where you like sign up to fall in love with someone, that makes mm. no sense to me and I can't like buy yeah. into it as much. Same with maths. I'm like you're married from the start and then like 
it's like two completely incompatible people that just stick it out. Yeah, and it's too chaotic. Like it's too messy. I don't know. It's too messy and I'm like it also makes no sense and I kind of hate watching these two people be so unhappy Yeah, and they can't get out of it. Like I don't find that enjoyable. Yeah. So I don't know. Like I'm not – there's nothing – Elturality wise that I'm really interested mm. in that much, mm. but I'm not sure. It's Never know. think about how I could expand, but Yeah. So <laughs> oh, then too hot to handle. Sorry to interrupt. Oh my god, too hot to handle. Yeah, okay. But then it's like, how would I do that? Like just at the end of the season? Because it's not weekly. It's like a dump on Netflix. True. It's hard. Logistic. Maybe you would keep the story alive for listeners who only listen to the podcast. Yeah. Maybe I would do like a, once, once I'm really successful, I would do like a little <laughs> Patreon. Like if you want to like, yes. hear my two or two handle takes, you can pay me $5 a month. Oh my God. So good. <laughs> so in terms of the skills that you've built on while you've been podcasting, has there any, has there been anything that you've thought, okay, I'm going to take this with me after I graduate? And how's the process been? Has it changed your ideas about what you want to do? because you're graduating this semester yeah um that's a good question in terms of the skills I guess it's a like it's a skill to like you know the communication style of it and like analytical skills yeah (laughs) (laughs) and analyzing each scene yeah um has it changed what I want to do I mean I still think I want to pursue law okay (laughs) disappointing (laughs) I don't don't think you know what I don't think I'm because I'm not making money I'm actually losing money from podcasting I I had to buy the microphone I had to pay for the rights to music okay all of this kind of stuff um pay for the podcast hosting site like all the stuff I'm losing money from it so I feel like I should just hold on with the law for now Mm. And then see if I can really take off with podcasting later on in my career. Yeah. Actually, that's a good question. Speaking of losing money, (laughs) for anyone listening who wants to do their own kind of podcasting thing, what was the actual, you know, practical process and Mm. the things that you had to buy and that kind of thing? So I was looking into microphones. Actually, I have a bit of drama with this because I went to JB Hi-Fi <laughs> and I was like, I'm done a podcast with two people. Like, can you just, I'm bad at tech. Can you just tell me what I need? Mm. This guy, I forgot his name, but I knew his name. <laughs> he gave me all this stuff and I was like, okay, are you sure that this goes into this? And he was like, yeah. Get home, ready to record. Nothing plugs into anything. Oh I was like, you're joking. And I had to wait for the sound specialist. To come to him. Like I had to wait for like ages for the sound specialist to give me the equipment and he gave me like completely the wrong stuff. Oh, that's so annoying. So I had to go back to JB Hi-Fi and I I was not happy. Yeah, you spoke to the manager. I spoke to the (laughs) – where's your manager? (laughs) I spoke to – I went to a different JB Hi-Fi and they were like, oh, my God, this guy was so stupid. Like this makes no sense. That's good. Got me a microphone that – it was just one but it had a pretty good – what's the word? Like – captured a lot of sound yeah, so yeah. He, you could like share with two people yeah um and got a bit of a refund so I it was only eighty dollars in in total oh that's really good compared to like I'd spent three hundred dollars oh the first goodness. time um so did so bought that mm. I also in terms of getting the podcast on Spotify so mine is on Spotify I applied to Apple Podcasts but they never I never heard back I'm like never the dogs on, yeah so you, you've got to go onto a podcast hosting site so mm. I chose one called Buzzsprout and you like upload your podcast mm. there you've got to pay a monthly little fee and then from there that podcast site you can apply to different what are they called 
like platforms, sp- platforms, yeah. Spotify directories. I think that's what yeah. it's, they call them. So Spotify, Apple Podcasts, that kind of thing. So mm. from there, um, yeah. So that's logistically sort of how it worked. I had to do a few Zoom ones, and those did not like the quality of the sound Ooh, was yeah. pretty tricky. But yeah, yeah. And then how did you edit them? What software did you use? Oh, GarageBand. Okay, so, oh, like nice. the only one I know how to use from like high school. Yeah. So. Did you find it weird listening to your voice back? You know what? I feel like if you've got a podcast, you can't hate the sound of your own voice. Mm, like I good. don't, I don't actually hate the sound of my yeah. own voice. You're the person who listens back to the voice notes after they send them. Yeah, if I'm Same. being honest, <laughs> my own podcast. <laughs> so I didn't. I found that if I edited it myself, because sometimes my friend helped me a couple of weeks. If I was to edit it myself, I wouldn't listen to the whole podcast because, like, yeah, I was like, I can't. Like, I'm really sick of hearing this. Yeah. Um. But I kind of I kind of enjoyed it, like, you know, putting the music in mm. and the different quotes and things like that. I had like iconic Love Island quotes in between the seg- oh, segments. Oh, that's good. Like that. um, but yeah, it wasn't it wasn't too hard. Mm. It wasn't obviously amazing editing, but GarageBand mm. was pretty easy. Mm. And did you go through any like learning curves? Like did you try and give yourself feedback after each episode to like make it better? Well, with the first one, it was way too quiet. Like we just like, my friend Liv and I just weren't close to the mic and I hadn't got it all the way up on GarageBand, but like <laughs> on GarageBand, yeah. it sounded fine. And oh. from on Spotify, I was like it was like full volume. Yeah. Couldn't hear a thing. Well, that's dramatic, but it was very quiet. Yeah. Um so that was something I had to improve on <laughs> to work. Everyone on was that. like can't hear you. Yeah. Um but honestly, I didn't listen to all of them from the mm. start to finish. Um, definitely you do realise it's quite a skill to speak fluently. Yeah. You know, like some of my guests were really good at that. Yeah. And something to work on. Mm. <laughs> good for inter- interviews and yeah. those kinds of things. Yeah. Good skills. So now I want to hear a bit about your law school experience. We're going to change into the law school hat. Um, as a law school insider yourself, you're about to graduate. Yeah. So, yes, got some questions for you. So first of all, what has been your favourite law course that you've done? So this is a bit nerdy, but I did a course called Beyond Chaos. Yes. Um, and I really enjoyed that. So it was basically one of those multidisciplinary courses of people from all different courses that's what that means um which I loved and we were essentially like critically examining the pandemic and the government's responses to it and our responses to it through all these different lenses Mm. and I feel like I discovered things about society I was like whoa that is so cool because I've (laughs) seen that course like advertised Mm. did you have to apply for it yes okay um so it's Desmond and Nick they're friends and they're which what are their last names Desmond Manderson yeah you would know yeah yeah other courses and Nick Cheeseman he does he's like in Asia Pacific I think Mm -hmm. and they're good friends Mm -hmm. and they you know sometimes Desmond will be talking about something and Nick will go oh no I disagree with that Mm. I feel like it really stretched me intellectually as well because Mm. I don't do philosophy and haven't Mm. really done much and sometimes I struggle to actually keep up with like the reasoning that was going on Mm. and connect but connecting those philosophical thoughts with our current situation I found really interesting. So cool and how was it structured like did you have a seminar each week where you would all kind of debate or discuss and then you would do like an assessment after that? Yeah, so it's technically listed as a summer course, or it was when I did it. Um, so it's the first six weeks of Sem 1 last year when I did mm. it. And there's two seminars a week, I believe, with a different sort of 
focus. So one week will be like care and work. One week will be race technology, like things like that. And sort of the intersection of those two concepts. And there was presentations that you had to do on one of those areas and a big essay and readings, readings to do. Oh my God, that's Um, so cool. It actually was amazing. I think it's, I like courses where you're there just to learn and not to do it not because it will mean that you can be a lawyer or mm. fulfill the certain ambition. Like, I don't know, it was a lot more enjoyable. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, I have thought that that one looks really good. So it's interesting to know how it's structured because I don't know, I think it's just called Beyond Chaos. It sounds, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it sounds one cool, but weird. Unraveling complexity. Like I feel oh like Oh my that, God. Yeah. yeah. Too much. Yeah. <laughs> but like love it. <laughs> okay, what's your best law school memory? I would probably have to say exchange. Like exchange is probably my best memory mm. um, in general. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I did exchange in Belgium in a small town called Louvain-la-Neuve, like about an hour southeast of Brussels. And it was incredible. I did law courses in French and in English, which amazing French ones were hard in the sense that like couldn't type mm. like I couldn't keep up with the typing. Oh, of you course. Know, like, I, yeah, I speak yeah. French, but I'm, I just can't I mm. couldn't do it that fast. Something's missing. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, it was, it was very fun and, like, relaxing. Um, there was this one course I didn't go to for about six weeks and mm. I came back <laughs> just near the end and I was I left halfway through. I was like, yeah. So <laughs> good. Too much. That's exactly what you need <laughs> exactly. in exchange. Um, so, no, that was – it was a really fun experience. Made lots of friends. Yeah. Were you looking at civil law? Because they have the – do they follow civil law system yeah, rather than – so, yeah, they do. So I had to do introduction to Belgian law in English, Ooh. so that was civil law. Yeah. And then I, most of them were international law focused. Um, I did international law again, which was really easy. Yeah. Oh, so <laughs> How did you get to do that? It's like it was called something slightly different. Oh. It's called like law of like immunities, diplomas. Like it was the same thing. Yeah. I did pretty well in that one. Oh, my God, so good. <laughs> um, but there was things like – yeah, like law and conflict management in French. That was one of the French ones. Um, what, what else did I do? A few others. But, yeah, either civil law or international law focus. Mm. Did it make you want to work overseas eventually or go back overseas? Oh, definitely one day. Yeah. Like, yes, I think it, the whole experience actually really made me think, rethink the focus the concept of home, like mm. I've always been like, yeah, Australia is my home, but I'll go away and I'll come back home. But like being there, I was like, that felt like my home as well. And I don't know if Australia will be my home forever. Like I don't have, I don't feel the same way that as I did before I left. Like it is such a like flexible concept. Mm. Like I could definitely, I think I'll start my career here having done an Australian law degree. But I could definitely leave and, like, not have the intention of returning necessarily. Mm, I yeah. feel like that's a really good outcome from an exchange, yeah. not to, like, make you want to leave where you are, but not thinking about it that way, but, like, yeah, to just feel like where you can be is so flexible and there are so many opportunities yeah. out there. How did you find it making friends and all that? Um, The first couple of weeks were really hard. It felt, mm. like, longer than two weeks, probably was only two weeks. I think I just thought that... I'm an outgoing person. Mm. I'll get to exchange, make heaps of friends. Like everyone's in the same boat, but not everyone was in the same boat really because I was the only, oh, there was one other Australian girl, but there was, you know, a lot of Spanish people, a lot of Italian people. People kind of had their groups already when I arrived just because they were from the same country. Mm. So it actually wasn't 
like we were all in the same boat. And culturally, I think Australians are just super open and friendly. Yeah. Not that they're nice unnecessarily, but just yeah. very open. So it's quite easy to at least have that surface level, like, friendship with mm. Australian people. Whereas I feel like it's not the same in Europe. Like, people are very kind and nice, but it's not, like, super open. Mm. But the friends that I did make eventually I like were like really good friends and I'm actually glad they weren't more Australians because I feel like people I don't know I feel like I would have made friends with them just because we're Australian mm. the people I made friends with was because we genuinely got along Mm-mm. and also now I'm set up in like South America like all of Asia well not all of Asia but like a lot of Europe like yeah. do you know what I mean like yeah. so I, I'm happy that I had that experience but at the start it was it was hard like yeah having no friends <laughs> A big thing for me. Sorry, I'm just going on now. This is therapy. No, that's a big okay. <laughs> a big thing that I found was like at the start, I was like, I really want to be able to have lunch with someone. Like, I don't know. I would always walk around. Oh my the God. Uni, yes. Yeah. Everyone having lunch. And I would always be like, I just wish I could have lunch with someone, but I had no one to have lunch with. Yeah. And then when I had friends, I would rarely get lunch with them because I kind of <laughs> like just having a baguette in my bed. Like, you know what? That sounds really well, I, depressing to me, but I'm so glad you like that. <laughs> but like, I just like like eating. I like eating lunch, like just mm. like with my laptop on, and then going to the bar later on and seeing my friends at night. Mm. But I just know I liked having the option. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, to have people in your community who you yeah. can easily call on. <laughs> exactly. Yes, that's very nice. <laughs> okay, back to law school. <laughs> in my bed thing like no I kind of regret saying that <laughs> no it's okay it's very French of you <laughs> so what is one area of law that you geek out on or that makes you really excited I feel like with indigenous law which isn't would you call it an area of law yeah yeah I think probably it's like a type of law yeah I feel like yeah a system of law. System. It's like a very broad idea. I would yeah. probably say my understanding. Yes. Um, I feel like that makes me feel passionate, mm. um, especially reading some of the cases, especially those high court judges saying some pretty interesting things. Mm. Um, I feel like it's an area that I'm very interested in. But apart from that, there's been a lot of subjects that I'm like, oh, yeah, that piques my interest, like there's aspects of that that I find really intriguing, like um, information technology law, mm. Space law, climate law, things like that. Even I, like, I quite liked ConCon as well. Oh. <laughs> I think I like, I I prefer the ones that are pretty procedural. Mm. Like I didn't like APL at all. Mm, neither. Or admin. Yeah. So the ones that are procedural, the ones that I can like understand and do relatively okay in. Mm. Um, and like what about interesting? <laughs> interest wise assuming that getting they're... away from the question <laughs> yeah. no no I understand but you know I, yeah. I actually no I did find it relatively interesting yeah. on. so um yeah pretty broad I'm not sure what I'd specialize in at all at this stage yeah I think that's the best way to be yeah it's good to be interested in lots of things then it means you can easily slot yourself in somewhere well I also know so many lawyers that are like I thought I wanted to do this and I changed my mind when I did it in practice. Yes, because it looks so different to what yeah, you learn in a classroom. Exactly. Like I hated admin law learning yeah. it and then I went to the TGA yeah. and I loved it. Mm. So, mm. What is your most cringe or embarrassing law school moment? I'm sure I'm forgetting some, but I would probably say when I <laughs> – sorry – when I went into the <laughs> – sorry, I need to compose myself <laughs> – when I went into the law, common, <laughs> what the 
called the law common room the common, common room. space I don't the know. common room in the law school and I found some wine and I think it was in between the break of like admin yeah. law and I we just I sorry <laughs> just stole someone's wine actually if they're listening I apologize so a few years ago just stole someone's wine in the middle of class that was so weird crazy <laughs> That's really cringe. It was quite hard for me to get that out. <laughs> yes. Um, I feel like that's not even cringe or maybe it's a bit cringe. Maybe it's really cool. Yeah, maybe that's really cringe. <laughs> okay, who is your law school or career inspiration? Um, Career-wise, I have a career mentor through the College of Law mentoring program. Mm. Her name's Monique and she works at DFAT as a lawyer there. Um, and she like travels for work and things like that in like international and trade law, which is pretty cool. Mm. Um, and she's been really helpful through the whole like interview, cover letter, applying sort of thing and asking her for advice. And she has a really successful career. And yeah, so I feel like she's kind of my mentor um, and my inspiration in my with my career. I also um, would be really interested in like working in the pro bono space potentially for um, a firm. So I was looking at the head of international pro bono at DLA Piper and I was like, wow, that would be like kind of a dream job. So Mm. yeah, Mm. say those people. How did you get involved in the mentoring program? Is that ANU College of Law? Yeah, yeah. That's really cool. Yeah, it's really, it's been really helpful. Mm. Like even doing practice interviews with her, like she's great. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I think there must have been an email Mm. sent through and I was like, you know what, I need some guidance. Mm. I was really confused. I still am confused what I wanted to do, but I was Mm. confused at the start of the year. So, yeah, it's been really good. So that started this year? Yeah. Oh, my God, that's so good. How did I miss that? (laughs) There are a lot of emails. Yeah, true. That's really good. (laughs) And finally, what is your law school life hack? I feel like I have a few, but, okay, I would say – it's so easy, obviously, coming somewhere where there's so many intelligent people to doubt yourself um, and I guess just reminding yourself that, like, you you are supposed to be here and that you are smart and you do know what you're doing um, and not getting wrapped up in comparing yourself to other people because I feel like a lot of law students are re- relatively competitive people. I wouldn't say that I necessarily am, but it's quite easy to get like brought into that competitiveness. Like, you know, you might have a plan about how you're going to succeed and then someone's like, you haven't done this particular provision or whatever yeah. and then you get all like flustered. But And I find that sometimes I compare myself to the people that are speak the most in class and things like that and I think, oh, I don't know as much. But, mm. yeah, I think just like knowing what you're capable of and being sh- more sure of yourself is something that I've learned. And I would also say, you know, if you can't do all the readings, like, it's fine. <laughs> if you can't do any of the readings, that's also you, fine. Honestly, if you can't do any of the readings, you'll also be fine. Yeah, I gave up on readings on exchange. Yeah. I mean, on exchange. I yeah. mean, but then fr- from there, oh, I from was the- like, <laughs> this is life-changing. I need to keep this going. Well, it's a prioritising thing, right? Yeah, so if I if there was actual time in the schedule between like normal work hours that I could do readings, I would do them. Honestly, mm. if I had like any other time that didn't involve cutting into sleep, I would do them. Mm. But like I've got to get through the lectures and like obviously do my assignments mm. and then obviously 
work and, and then do a podcast else, and do my podcast yeah so, and I also feel like some people just learn better when they're reading I'm not one of these people that's true and I find as well when I do have done the readings I've done half-heartedly and I've done like week one two three and eight literally and it's like that's actually not helpful it would have saved time not doing any mm. like it's just like I've got this really disjointed piece of the puzzle mm. like I don't know I feel like you're gonna do them like commit but also if you're not gonna do them it's fine yeah that's my advice agree <laughs> okay I just want to ask you one more question what sure. are your what's next for you like generally because you're graduating so soon yeah um it's a bit up in the air yeah the most likely course of events is maybe a little bit of travel in Asia. Why not? And then I probably will do um, a program at AGS, which I'm pretty excited about. Mm. Um, so that's the most likely course of events, but I'm still keeping options open. Um, but, yeah, a little bit of travel and then and then a grad job in the, in the legal profession. So exciting. Congratulations for making it this far into your law school journey. Oh, thank you. It's kind of weird, isn't it? It is really weird. It's kind of awesome. It is awesome. Like, thank God. But, like, it's also, like, when you reflect, you're like, oh, I used to be a first year. I know. And they all look so small now. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so exciting. I'm so excited for your travel. I hope it goes amazingly and so excited to hear what you get up to after graduating. Thanks. (laughs) Thanks for speaking with us today and thank you everyone for listening to Law and Disorder.